Market Watch is proudly brought to you by Top Sport, home of the Top Sport betting multi. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800 858 858. G'day everyone, welcome to, well it's a very special edition, let's be honest, it's on the eve of Christmas. Uh, it is, what have we got, week 16 in the National Football League, we've still got racing all around the country, we've got a cricket test match coming up on Boxing Day that no one has heard anything about and the BBL is back in action as well. So here we are on the Market Watch podcast, proudly brought to you by topsport.com.au and the usual suspects are in attendance. Passed in in the IPL auction, unfortunately, was Tristan Merlihan, despite the fact that he's a very handy indoor cricketer, or that's what he tells us. Uh, so he's with us as well. Also, Jared Connan, who's just spruiking the fact that he's a part owner in Rudolph, who is a very <laughs> good running reindeer coming from the Northern Stables. How are you, gentlemen? Yeah, Jimmy, it's my first day back from holidays and normally you're meant to feel relaxed, but I've been on a uh, a Disney cruise with my kids and oh. I found out six hours into the trip that my youngest one was petrified of uh, Disney characters, which made it a very, very long five <laughs> days trying to duck and dive. The good thing was I found out that she's got a very, very good turn of foot because she hit a couple of lines very, very quickly when Chippendale came out of doors. So I think that's a promising uh, thing for the future. I think she might get an NRLW contract, even though my IPL one. I think the the feedback I got from the uh, the coaches over there was just maybe not conducive my style to the other uh, low turning pitches over in yep. India. So we'll see uh, see what happens next year. We'll get to work, see if they can change the other uh, fields in the indoor cricket centre. But uh, yeah, it's been a big week, guys. Plenty to talk about. We've got. Uh, the Boxing Day test. We've got all the NFL games on Christmas Day in Australia, of course, and then uh, all the BBL as well. So a uh, big week ahead. And, Jimmy, looking at some of the highlight videos from that Disney cruise, I'm just yeah. waiting for the top sport market to go up about who was actually in the Mickey Mouse suit because there were different occasions where Tristan was in or not in the uh, photos and I could just see him there for three or four days walking uh, around the decks in the Mickey Mouse outfit. Yeah, there were all sorts of questions, weren't there? Who is the best Robin in sports history? Is it Tristan Merlihan on the Disney tour or Scottie Pippen at the Chicago Bulls? So I don't. What was going on with that suit that you had on? How did well, that come about? We were informed, and I don't know if it was a stitch up, but Ash, my beautiful wife, informed me that it was a superheroes night on night two of the cruise. So she packed, <laughs> she packed this uh, beautiful outfit for me to dress up as Robin, and I. I told her there is no way in the world I'm going to wear the uh, the skin tight pants. So I got away without wearing the pants, but I did have the suit on and we get down to dinner and there is not one other person <laughs> in the with a, uh, uh, an outfit on. So that was uh, made for a very, very quiet first 10 15 minutes of that dinner. But it was, uh, I still am yet to get to the bottom of, uh, of how that un- unfolded, but it was uh, very interesting that, that, our, our period. Well, I still can't believe that that photo hasn't made social media yet, but give it a couple of days. I'm, I'm sure Jimmy's working on a bit of a patch up in the background. As my father-in-law says, if you're sitting in the meeting and you're looking around and you can't find the mock, you're the mock. Right? So, uh, that's been, I'm glad Ash had a great trip. I've been still laughing about that one. That is fantastic. Uh, um, yes, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're enjoying people dressed in Batman and Robin suits. Uh, remember, you can like and subscribe this podcast. Uh, put a review at uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you get your podcast, YouTube as well. What we like to do is we like to go back before we 
go forward. So where were we, Jared? I think we well, had a standout week last week. Well, Jimmy, one of the things that we do try to do here is uh, amongst some of the banter and discussion is find a few bets for those to follow. And I got messages galore on Saturday and Sunday. And then in the Monday from uh, listeners to the podcast, we nominated six bets last week and we got five winners. So the NFL, we had a clean sweep. The uh, Chicago Bears got home with uh, with the plus um, plus three and a half, I think it was. The, Tristan got the Chiefs early at minus eight and a half. I think that game started with the line out to ten and a half. They won by ten. Jimmy had the Steelers Colts over 42. Well, he had to sweat that right to the death, but they ended up getting yeah, there with 43. Uh, race three at Eagle Farm. Why would you take $3.40 on uh, Thursday when indifference wins and pays $5.50? Caulfield, Tristan came up with a, a winner in race three. And Jimmy, I'm sure that you were spruiking last week Boston Rocks. And here I am at the Malula Bar. Um, surf club on Saturday afternoon for my darling wife and I'm two from two with our podcast bets. I've loaded up on Boston Rots. Said that uh, Sharon, that's Jimmy's bet. bet. Now well backed. Should win. Down the outside it comes. Then I'm looking at our notes uh, after the weekend and it changed course. Anyway, we went five from six. Mm, five from six. My race tip uh, let us down, but the NFL tip's on fire at the moment. Speaking of on fire, uh, that clock tower it's gone way past us, but where are we with the the lunch bets too, Jared? Ah, uh, yes, uh, Jimmy's plus one, Jared minus one. So we we've got a gap of five into these last couple of weeks, Jimmy. And yes, you you've haven't had the wobbles the last couple of weeks, but um, you might have picked up a steroid injection or something over the the week be- before. So very interesting run home. But Tristan, I think all of that might kick our um our charity bank up nicely. It certainly has, and uh, yeah, we uh, the only thing uh, disappointing was that someone was a bit too scared to go uh, win only bet and took an each way bet on a five dollar shot, which subsequently <laughs> lopped. So that was uh, the only disappointing aspect of those tips on the weekend. But we've got a balance now of four thousand two hundred and two um, after we put that thousand into the uh, the Christmas appeal. So been a nice uh, little period of punting post the footy season. Can I just have it be known uh, more widely that I was in in essence bullied into that Broncos bet too? So just to just I just want to put that on the record there. So how's that? How's that looking? Uh, how are we looking with that one? The long term bet Broncos of yours that you uh, want to keep spruiking and they can't uh, keep winning. They're seven and seven, Jimmy, off mm. a loss, but that mm. was a key loss because there were others around them that won. They're 11th on the table now, and right now you're chasing those Vikings for Tristan, also off a loss, but they're sitting sixth on their seedings for the NFC. So right now with uh, three weeks to play, the Broncos do have a very winnable run home, Yeah, and uh, they get the Patriots this week, which we'll touch on in a moment. Fancy the Broncos, 7-7 seven and seven at home, that would help. Going up minus six and a half favourites. Dear, mm. oh dear. 10-7, 10-7. That'll be the, the final one. And as you say, Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, just some issues to sort out, but I'm sure they will. Uh, let's talk some domestic uh, sport first up. First test match. Uh, what was it like for you? It was predicted to be one-way street, Tristan, at Optus Stadium. It was a one-way street at Optus Stadium. The only interest coming out of the game really was what Mitch... Johnson said about David Warner going into it, and David Warner responds accordingly. 
David Warner did respond accordingly. He obviously notched up a very impressive ton in the first innings and then he uh, followed it up with a duck in the second innings, which was interesting. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the betting was certainly one-way traffic pre the game. Uh, it was funny. The law of betting actually drifted a bit on day one, whether the uh, the, the punters thought the, the pitch was conducive to maybe Pakistan batting out a draw and they, they, they looked reasonably solid. Uh, for the first period of their first innings, and it looked like maybe they might be able to show a bit of uh, a bit of fortitude there and, and and get deep into the Test match, but then obviously that wicket sort of crumbled late and, and they they collapsed. So the uh, the outcome of that Test is pretty much unknown there midway through it, and uh, yeah, the live betting did peter off very very quickly. So uh, certainly wasn't a stack of um, action from a turnover perspective because Australia were very very firm all the way through. But, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to moving to the Boxing Day and also we've got a plenty, plentiful big bash action over the next few days too. Sadly, I guess, Jimmy, right at the, the present moment, unfortunately, every cycle of three or four years, this ends up being the uh, test series that we have at home. But, you know, in, in any of the circles I'm talking to over the last couple of weeks about sport, um, you know, cricket and that first test just hasn't really been a highlight. And I think there's been more media out of what we'll touch on in a moment, and that's the IPL auctions and and some of the pricing and, and uh, discussion around that than there really is going into the Boxing Day test. And that's the thing. Our whole talk topic on radio this morning was what should Cricket Australia be doing to ensure that everyone, you've got your rusted on fans and those members at the MCC, they're going to turn up no problem every Boxing Day. They'll charge through the gates, get the best seat. We've seen all the vision of that over the years. But what about the casual fan? What about the occasional viewer? What about the person who might go out, put their hand in their wallet and say, yep, I'll go to the ground, I'll go and watch this. They are not being engaged. And, and we do not hear. So, you know, we know firsthand, okay, we want to speak to this person. We want to speak to this person. We're a broadcaster at SEN of the cricket and you're flat out getting anyone, which I know there's only 11 of them, but, you know, support staff and all that sort of stuff. I find it, it's Cricket Australia need to be very careful about what they do in the promotion of their sport and not think just because it's a Boxing Day test and it's a New Year's test that people will automatically turn up. Um, I think... I think we're seeing something similar in the Big Bash. I think people are taking their time to warm into that. There was 27,000 there at Perth last night. But prior to that, crowds have been down again. And remember, there's four less games per team. So they need to make it up somewhere. The TV audience are okay without being spectacular. Uh, real issue around that, I think. The Scorchers, though, Tristan, what about them in the market? They are, I mean, if, if you happen to play the final at home, <laughs> they start probably $1.50. They just look a class above, don't they, Jimmy? They and you know, it was it would look like it was going to be another absolute blowout again last night, um, and until Jordan came in there and and put on a few runs uh, to make it competitive late, and then the Scorchers chased down a very tricky uh, target just so comfortably. They've got a top tier bowling attack. They've got a batting lineup which just looks so far in front of everyone else, and then they've got a home ground advantage that that is yeah. superior to the rest of the nation. So. Um, all things being equal, you just find it very, very difficult to see which side can upset them. They are the two dollar eighty favourites. The Heat are four sixty. The Sixers four eighty. The Renegades eight fifty. Strikers nine fifty. Then it gets wide from there. The only thing I will say is that in T Twenty cricket, you know, it only takes one one massive effort from anyone, which can change uh, the complexion of a game. But just the way this final series works, if Port Perth continue the trajectory they're on then they should get that uh, that good run into the finals, which uh, does sort of put them in a very, very favourable spot. And that's the thing about T20. Like, you know, the the game of NRL or AFL that you think, yeah, they're just going to win is a $1.20. But in T20 cricket, you, you 
Dollar fifty, you'd probably be as short as you get, Tristan. Yeah, absolutely. You, you never get a in, a in a big bash clash anyway. You very rarely get a, a match under a dollar a dollar fifty uh, in, in a top tier tournament like this, and even in a final, you know, maybe even pushing that dollar sixty mark because the team. Uh, playing them has got to come in in decent form. So, um, yeah, you, you certainly won't get a real, real short price uh, commodity in the final. But, you know, the way they've been playing and their, their, their history in these crunch games as well, I'm certain if that occurs, there'll be a lot of people willing to, to take the shorts about it. Now, I do joke about you being passed in for the IPL auction, but Jared and I also had our names in there. We were also passed in. So um, just to fill up, just incredible. Um it's it's changing. We knew it was coming, but it's changing the landscape very dramatically. When you think about someone who Mitch Starker hasn't played there for eight seasons for all sorts of different reasons, wanted to concentrate on his international career, now gets to a point where he says, "No, I'm I'm prepared to go." But I think he bought a new house. But anyway, that might be separate to it. Four point four million dollars that he's getting over there for eight weeks' work is gives you an understanding of the size of that market and what the future holds as well, Tristan. Absolutely, and and you saw the reaction of his uh, wife over there get preparing for the uh, the test match in India as well, and um, it's just amazing. And and you, you you see the comparisons of probably the crowds we saw in the one day cricket uh, World Cup for some of the games that didn't involve India, and then you see the crowds of the IPL, yeah. just the viewing numbers, and and it's just chalk and cheese, and and and, and it's such a it, it's a growing tournament, and I suppose now you look at an event like the big big bash that. Back in the days when it commenced and, you know, maybe the IPL wasn't at such the level it is now, you used to get so many more of the the international stars that came out here and played. But, you know, why, why would someone travel halfway around the world over the Christmas period when they can put in a stint um, and get paid to the level that guys like Mitch Stark have been played in, in India? So it's, 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 it's a tournament that's just changed the complexion of cricket um, around the world. And, uh, and, and each year it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Enormous money, isn't it? And uh, I think you're right, Jimmy. I think that um, four plus million probably puts a little bit of a dent into the $16 million purchase uh, that they just recently made. So, yeah, well, lovely coin if you can earn it, isn't it? Well, the other thing about it is that, you know, you look at someone like a Daryl Mitchell, right? He's a good, solid international cricketer. He can go off. 1.9 million USD. Like yep. that That would, I, I can only imagine how little he's being played, paid by New Zealand cricket. Because they don't have the scale of Australia, you know, not, you know, it's Australia, England, India, or India, Australia, England. And then after that, you know, at an international level, you're not getting paid. So for those guys like that, it's such a, a huge opportunity. Spencer Johnson, 18 months ago, couldn't get a bowl because he could barely stay uninjured. And now he's getting paid 1.78 million to go over there and play in the IPL. It's absolutely fantastic. The other part about it, which is really interesting too, uh, it's come to uh, our attention that the IPL looks like starting on March 22. So you're going to be there at least a week early to acclimatise. Shield final, March 21 to 25. So there's there's a conflict there. The, the test players could potentially come back and play in a Shield final before they go to the IPL. That was not going to happen now. But Cricket Australia get paid... 20% of what any Australian player is getting paid at the IPL out of the IPL central revenues. So when you start thinking about what Daryl Mitchell and uh, Rashin Ravindra are getting paid for New Zealand uh, and then New Zealand cricket, what they get, you, there's no surprise where Cricket Australia said, oh, do we want them to play the Shield final? Uh, they'll be right. Let, let, let them go and play in the IPL because it, it means significant revenues for Cricket Australia, which is just 
another piece of the puzzle. But it is the future. You know, Major League Cricket in the USA, Kolkata Knight Riders, they're a franchise owner there. They're a franchise owner, obviously, in the IPL. They're a franchise owner in the UAE. And this franchise cricketer is not too far away, I would suggest. Mm. NRL, Jared. So let's have a look at it. The two big talking, well, three big talking points around the signings or the re-signings. Jerome Luai, question mark, but let's assume West Tigers, five-year deal, $1.2 million. Adam Fanil Blake says no to the Dragons, says yes to the Sharks, and Tommy Dearden stays at the Cowboys. What did you make of it all? Well, I guess it's it's been seven or so days of uh, big news, Jimmy. We had, uh, firstly, the, the sacking of the board at the West Tigers, and uh, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, some interim appointments and Shane Richardson stepping in there. Then late in the week, all of a sudden, the announcement on Saturday that Luai uh, was committing to the West Tigers. I mean, all, all the noise that I was hearing sort of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday was that uh, the Bulldogs camp were very keen that they were the front runners and that they were probably going to get that. It would appear that Richardson stepped in on Thursday and Friday and uh, went from a four-year offer to a five-year offer. That appears to have got Luai across the line. Now, there's a, um, a cool-off period of 10 days before all of that is formalised, so there's probably three or four days more of that to go. But that certainly appears to be the case for Noah Blake. Uh, again, all of, all the push was that the Dragons were very confident they had that. The Sharks made a very strong late play. They didn't have to top the offer from the Dragons. I think it was about over four years, about 400,000 difference there. But for Newell Blake signs with uh, Cronulla Sharks, I think that's a very good get for the Sharks into the future. And then, um, you know, Dearden was met, uh, mooted as yeah, potentially talking to the Dragons or elsewhere. I mean, I think the real story is that he actually and his manager didn't really have any serious conversations anywhere else, and and he stayed at the Cowboys. So a big week of all of that. Um, Jimmy, with the clearing of the decks of the board at the West Tigers, I mean, have you had that interview for the CEO role yet? Has that come across your desk yet, or is your manager talking to their manager and you're yet to hear about it? I can confirm that there has nothing come across my desk at this point. So uh, I, I just wonder, it's interesting with Jerome Luai, right? 1.2, that's just, you know, that's a significant hike on what the Panthers were prepared to pay over the three years compared to the five years from the Tigers. Uh, and then you want to speculate about the Tigers cap being out of shape with Aiden Caesar is not costing them too much, but Jaden Sullivan's costing them a heap and Latu Fainu is costing them a heap. So how do they make that work? Adam Adam Dewey's another one there that they can probably fit in at right centre, but is that his best position? And does he get unhappy at that point? So I, it's still a really interesting watch. They probably have to make, you know, if, if Luai does say yes to that and it, it sticks, then they have to move someone out of their squad. So I don't know. It's Sometimes you've got to have that circuit breaker though, right, don't you? So just you change the narrative around your club. Uh, and then say, you know, unlike the Dragons, hey, no, the, no one's going to the Dragons. Hey, the Tigers got their man. So um, that's a story you can tell for for future recruitment. But it does set, I mean, it's always fascinating. And we had Kerry O'Keefe on, on a grab bemoaning the fact that why are we talking about Adam Fanua Blake in December? Well, the good thing is we'll be doing it in January and February as well, um, Kerry, because that's just where the appetite for people's lie uh, with, the, with the NRL. Righto, Jared. Get us into the NFL, mate. What have we got? Week 16, the, uh, what is it? Third last week of the season. Oh, things are really hotting up, Jimmy, really hotting up. I mean, we touched on this a few weeks ago that, you know, the Chargers uh, 
were in a fair degree of trouble, um, major underperformers this year. Their coach, uh, clearly a very, very clever man, but um, he looked well out of his depth as a head coach. Well, they had 63 points put through them by the the Raiders, who only, what, four, five, six weeks ago sacked their coach. Um, so absolutely pumped. And then the next day, both their GM and coach were sacked. Uh, the Bills now put uh, back-to-back two very good wins, but absolutely gave it to the Cowboys. What I was very impressed with was um, how physically how physical they were, but also their run game absolutely dominated the Cowboys, and they could not defend that. And are the Bills on the move? I certainly think they are. Now, I, this week, I've actually backed the Bills to win the AFC Championship at eight bucks. Now, you know, they're yet to be in the picture of the ratings, but they do have a, a very winnable run out. And you know, I think if they get in the AFC uh, wild card and then playoffs, they can really cause some uh, trouble. And they're certainly the team I would expect that could um, challenge the Ravens, who's currently sitting the number one seed. The other one there, we speak of the Eagles, lost three in a row now. They are still 10 and four, but uh, dropped down a few pegs because we have the Cowboys sitting number one in their seed. Uh, A late loss to the Seahawks, limping a little bit, and um, I think they've been exposed defensively and um, um, their attack being shut down. And, you know, I think Hertz is limping around a little bit as well. Jimmy, the other one I did like during the week was the 49ers to win a Super Bowl. I mean, clearly, I think we all consider them the standout team at the moment. They're 11 and 3. Uh, it's all about having the right people on the park at the right date and fit and well. But right now, it's very difficult to see who beats them. $3.30 or $3.25, thereabouts at the present moment as a Super Bowl winner. I thought. I thought looked well overs when you consider that they do look the standout team. Tristan, have they been well backed over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, they have been. And and, and I think, you know, the way I'd probably frame it now would be if, if, if you think they're going to cover the spread against Baltimore, who they play on uh, Boxing Day Australian time, who I would suggest to one of the other contenders uh, for the Super Bowl, if you think they can cover that spread at home, minus five and a half, they're going to firm up significantly further, I would suggest. So it'd probably be a good time to have some of that Super Bowl action at the moment because, yes, I completely agree. They are the, the team to beat quite uh, quite clearly. Uh, they're into $3 now with Baltimore now, the second pick at 580, Kansas at 7, Buffalo on the charge at 10 with Miami and the Eagles at 11, uh, Dallas 14, Detroit 21. So um, 49 is very, very clear favourites, but they've got a really, really tough game there between the, uh, the second picks for the Super Bowl at home which, uh, which is certainly going to be a fascinating contest there on Boxing Day. Well, and, and, and touching on that game, I mean, you know, many would suggest that this might be the prelim to the Super Bowl. Uh, the 49 is clearly at home, but we have a line of five and a half. So you'd suggest if we were at a neutral field for the Super Bowl, you know, it might be a three and a half. It might be four point line between these two, if it was the two number one seeds as they sit at the moment who get through. Um, very interesting game that... Um, on the 26th, our time, which will be an absolute cracker for Boxing Day. Uh, Super Bowl is being played where? It is Allegiant Stadium, isn't it, in Las Vegas? Is that right? Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's interesting. The other the other point you make around a couple of those sides, so one of the things about Buffalo is the manner in which they won, right? It wasn't a reliance on Josh Allen. And, and, and what do they say? When Josh Allen's being supplementary, 
rather than all of what Buffalo do, then that's a really good sign for them after that. I think Brian McDermott, he's had a very tough couple of weeks, but they've worked their way through that and they've won in a different fashion, which I think, as you say, Jared, just kept everyone on notice. The other thing that I was um, listening to about the Philadelphia Eagles, they've lost an offensive coordinator whose name escapes me at the moment, but they had him uh, in their last two years. Yes. And now he's not there. And now Jalen Hurts is standing at the podium talking about lack of commitment in the team. And yep. you're just thinking, well, hang on, this is a side that, um, you know, they're, They've got a plus four and against of 18 for a side that's 10 and four. You know, yep. they've won every close game is is what that's telling us. So um, I'm not sure this is an Eagles side that can challenge like they did last year. So that makes it incredibly interesting. And, as and going well. back to your point too, Jimmy, I mean, the, the role of these offense or defense coordinators play are just so key when you've got a 55-man or 53-man squad and the head coach is very much then about setting the direction and the focus of the week and, and motivation, but not so much uh, the tactical play, which is then left to those coordinators and the change at the bills. Because if we go back four or five weeks ago, uh, they're off uh, the... Yes, their offense uh, coordinator was sacked as a, I, I guess, a potential scapegoat on the back of some poor form. What the guy that's now stepped into that role has clearly done is just made some finer tweaks about what they're doing with uh, their run game. Now, you know, Cook had an absolute blinder last mm. weekend, but it's giving um, the Bills a, a different focus and certainly taking some pressure off Allen and allowing him, allowing him to play to his strengths. And yeah, I think the Bills are on a bit of a sneaky run. Um, the other thing is, you know, we've got two cracking games this weekend because we've got the the Cowboys off that big loss in uh, going to Miami to play the Dolphins. And there's, you know, a lot of talk about whether the Cowboys can win away from home. The Dolphins come off a very comfortable win over the Jets. I mean, I think that that's weak, very weak form. They haven't really beaten anybody of note, so we've got a very nice um, matchup there. And the Dolphins at minus one and a half uh, favourites. I I'm very keen about the Cowboys winning that game. And then, as we touched on the one, the final one of the round, which will be the big Monday night game in the US. The Ravens uh, going into San Francisco against the 49ers should be a cracking physical game. And they're talking about it as one of the greatest Monday night games in history. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles Seattle Seahawks game, where Drew Locke who I think he's played two games this year, Jared, just gets an yes. opportunity, gets it done. You've got superstars like DK Metcalf taking incredible catches and, um, you know, they beat Philadelphia despite dominance from Philadelphia, every other metric, but, you know, gets it done Monday night, national audience. And, you know, that is a, that is a great story for the well, seven and seven. We know Seahawks. in NFL 45 seconds is like, like four and a half days, but there was only 45 seconds left in that game. And he's thrown a 35 yard, ball to pick up Metcalf that then put them in a position for them to, you know, then win the game. It was just a, a thrilling finish. What is your best, Jared? What are we, what are we looking at? Uh, Jimmy, those Cleveland Browns just keep ticking over. They've on quarterback number four yet. He's probably been their best performer this season. So I'm with the Cleveland Browns. Um, I, th I think they can uh, get another win this week. Got a, Suitable game. They play the Texans, who are still without their key quarterback. Um, I think it's a low-scoring game, but I still think that they cover the minus two and a half. I think by game time, that's three and a half, maybe touching four. So the Cleveland Browns to win, cover the line, minus two and a half at $1.81 was my best for the week. Kristen, 
Yeah, Joe Flacco coming out of retirement. He's been very good for the Browns. Uh, I'm going to echo uh, Jared's thoughts with Dallas. And uh, I think uh, despite, I think Buffalo are one of the, the teams that are really coming into form. And I think a few things go a little bit differently early in that game there against uh, Buffalo. And we could have seen a different outcome. I think Miami uh, come back to earth against a much better defensive lineup. And I'm going to take Dallas to win the game at even money. Ooh. Love it. Okay, Jared. You like? Oh, yeah, you, did you say you like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I love the Cowboys. Yeah. Right. All right. All right. Uh, and I'm going to take us to uh, Pittsburgh, and it is the visiting Cincinnati Bengals taking on Pittsburgh. I'm going to go the home team, home team to get it done. Now I thought plus two and a half, but I think they're plus two. So I'll take the Pittsburgh Steelers plus two. And I'll be picking up the dollar eighty-five for that. Your your love affair with one of the weakest mythical teams in the NFL at the present moment, Jimmy, is staggering. The Steelers. I can't believe you keep finding games within them. It's like watching paint dry. I will be taking you on for a lunch bet there. I'm all over the Cincinnati Bengals at the minus two. That's probably only the first fifteen minutes of the game. So I blame Brady, my brother-in-law. So he's a mad Pittsburgh Steelers fan uh, and all the kids walking around and Tracy, by the way, in uh, Juju Smith-Schuster when he used to play there and Roethlisberger uh, jerseys. So uh, I blame him for that. But anyway, I'm more than happy to take you on with that. So just let me write that down. I'll be I'm... going. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very keen on Mr. Browning. So... Um, I'll be uh, I'll be all over. I'll be with Jared as per our discussion and hour and fifteen. Oh, you, you blokes! Thanks. So uh, I'll, I'll be on the Cincinnati bandwagon as well. I just find it funny, Jimmy, how um, you're talking about names of Juju and uh, and and Big Ben, and <laughs> when uh, you know Russ used to play for Seattle, and now you're you're bagging them and poor old Drew Locke and uh, and, and you jump ship. So I find that very. Uh, I have this discussion with my daughter quite a bit, so maybe we've got to have a discussion with you, Jimmy. It's just just different uh, different metrics for different uh, situations. Yeah, I think that's a nice way to describe it. Uh, well, yeah. I think the really good thing that's come out today, though, Tristan, is we're now 16 weeks into the season and we've finally exposed that Jimmy's following the Steelers. No. Just get sent from uh, from Denver to the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be challenging on a number of levels, isn't it? Uh, so there, Mike Tomlin never had a losing season. Never had a losing season in the NFL. So uh, there. So what are you? You're you're in too, are you, Floater or Robin, whatever your nickname is? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, what what about the Cowboys, Jimmy? Are you uh, you're with no, or against the no, Cowboys? No, I, I like the Cowboys as well too. I'm, I'm with what, you. What about that. those Broncos? Are you uh, you're giving oh. up six and a half at home? I'm breaking out a rash every time you start bringing those up now. Um, <laughs> you know, the Sean Payton magic's just starting to, to wash off a little, isn't it? Uh, let me have a look at that. Oh, New England. Oh, God. Uh, Mile High Stadium, bad weather. Bilicek comes to the fore in defence. What's the overs and unders? 34 and a half. What about this? 34 and a half for that game. And I look at the other game, Cowboys in Miami, 49 yes. and a half. So, yes. uh, you know how I hate to bet the unders. I'd I'd much prefer the overs in the Dallas Miami game than the unders in the Broncos and New England game. So, so, no, so which one? Are you on the unders? Are you, Jimmy, at, at Mile Hall Stadium? No, I just said I don't like betting the unders, and I I I'm prefer to be on the overs. I'm happy to go the overs Miami Dallas if you want to take that on. Uh, we started at Mile Hall High Stadium at Denver. 
Yeah, well, now we're over in Miami, so that's fantastic, isn't it? They're going to be an exciting uh, Christmas Day game for all the Aussie viewers at uh, lunchtime with total points of 34 and a half. Uh, <laughs> eyes will be glued to the TV sets around uh, when we're cutting up that uh, Christmas turkey. And forecast is the first snow game of the NFL season. Is that right, that one? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Nah, leave me out, leave me out of that one. Uh, all right, you, Blake's finished. Nearly called we're, you something we're just else trying there. to get another lunch bread out of you. Of course you are. You're just sitting there uh, twiddling your thumbs. Just on that, I had a look at the lunch bet table, which I don't think you enunciated very clearly this time. I'm on eight. You're on three. I did. And Tristan on, well, who cares? But <laughs> it, the point of it is I had to go back and check last week. I say, hang on a minute. Somehow I'm I'm losing or Jared's picking them up somehow. But no, nah, there we go. All right. The table right. is 100% accurate, sir. Jimmy's sitting in the second row of the cricket dugout, going back to our IPN, IPL uh, contract offering with his collar-up helmet on, just sitting there waiting to be called <laughs> as a night watchman and uh, not playing very many aggressive shots at the moment. He's, I've never seen him leave so many lunch bets on the table with only <laughs> 10 days to go before the end of the calendar year. So um, it's it's very interesting. You know what they say when you change your, change what's worked well all season, it doesn't necessarily go well at the end of the day. Ah, uh, yes. Um the Denver Broncos here, aren't we? Uh, I wish if I wish the Denver Broncos had the consistency of you two, making sure you do the pre-podcast meetup. Oh, yeah, we'll get him on this and we'll get him on that, and you, you know, get into his ribs on this one. Anyway, that's Actually, it, gentlemen. I, I, I think the biggest talking point this morning in the pre uh, pre-podcast discussion, Jimmy, was uh, Boston Rocks. Yeah. Well, I missed that memo. Speaking of, <laughs> let's get to the racing. Righto, where are you taking us racing, Jared? Uh, Jimmy, we're looking for a little fill-up on Saturday to help Christmas. And uh, let's go to Mooney Valley, race six, number eight, Yellow Sam. Very nice mare who, in her two runs prior to a break, was running in BM84 grade. Uh, drops back here, second favourite, which surprises me. Um very, very good first up. Absolutely flies. Um, Kersley linking up with Lindsay Smith. Uh, I think she sits behind the favourite who will lead and then comes off and gives her a cold in the last 100. So I'm very keen about Mooney Valley Race 6, number 8, Yellow Sam. $4 at the moment. Let's have $100 the nose on that. All right. T? Just on the racing... Um... I didn't watch too many races whilst I was away uh, dressed as Robin, but um, I did watch the last three at Ascot there um, last week. Damien Oliver went bang, bang, bang. And uh, a lot of punters with us were very keen on Oliver finishing his career in a nice fashion. So that was a difficult watch for an hour, but it was something that you have to... uh, you have to, and it was funny when I was, I was, I said a couple of words whilst I was in the Disney theater, which I think people might've thought were directed at someone else, but it was, uh, but it was a very, very impressive way to finish a career that ride on his last winner to win the, uh, the Damien Oliver gold rush was impressive. So well done to an end of a, end of a fantastic career. I'm also going to take us to the Mooney Valley and I've had a, I've had a lot of uh, internal thinking and inner perspective over the last week and <laughs> I've decided to to come back and take a horse at a similar price to last week, but I'm going to change up that staking plan. Oh. A little bit. So we're going to go race for number 10, call the union. Uh, it, it's been, it's had a pretty up and down preparation thus far. One, two starts back and finished a bit of an unlucky third there at Caulfield. I think, though, down in the weights this time around, uh, getting the the claim, I, I think it's going to be very hard to beat. That's race four, number 10, call the union, 
I'm going to put 100 on the nose at $5.50. I think some of that thinking on the cruise might have been um, uh, the noise ringing in your ear from uh, the chairman of the board about the fact that you had a $50 each way bet last week. Um, Yes, but listen, back to Ascot just quickly on that, Tristan. Uh, that last race, and for Ollie to come from where he was on the turn, duck through late and win. And what about the call? Uh, Darren McAuliffe, I think, is the best caller in Australia, and it was just bloody outstanding. And as I touched on earlier, I was at the Mooloolabar Surf Club. The whole club just literally lifted yelling as they saw that it was Ollie's uh, runner winning that race. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And Jimmy, yeah. have you found the right one this week? I uh, believe so, yes. Uh, and just going, rather than going back to Ascot, just going back to the Disney Theatre, I'd imagine that go and get Donald Duck to, is a lot more uh, relevance uh, than what most people anticipated. I'm going to take you to Ramwick, race two, number one. I'm a dirty rascal, Waterhouse Spot, imported Galloper. What are you, what are you, what's up there, Tristan? Third no. up. Drawn closer to the speed, hard to beat over the 2,400. Uh, so there we go. I believe that Top Sport have heard the early mail and has got I'm a Dirty Rascal, the race two number one favourite at $3.60. As a re- result of that, you need to be very careful, don't you, Tristan, about your staking plan. So I'm going to go $100 on the nose. Thank you very much. Hundred on the nose. Uh, it seems like the uh, the pre-show chat Lloyd has had with all three of us has reverted to three win-only bets, which is uh, which is good to see, and uh, that's all locked in. So we've got a got a, got three chances there. It'd be nice to get a couple of winners and get this balance up over five thousand before the end of the December. So um, yeah, three strong possibilities there. Listen, uh, let's just clarify. This little black duck for the last four years has only ever had $100 on the nose, which Jimmy <laughs> continually wants to argue with. But, uh, yes, absolutely. No, it'd be lovely to finish that way. And uh, on a serious note, uh, there is a Christmas appeal out there at the present moment for Parson on Clothing where they're trying to uh, give a $50 gift to, uh, I think, um, the best part of 400 people who are homeless or less fortunate than most of us around the streets of uh, Sydney and the Central Coast and just doing an outstanding job. And also on a serious note, a big uh, thank you to our listeners and the feedback that we get and the followers that we've had. And to each and every one, a wonderful Christmas to you and yours. I hope you have a fantastic time and uh, Christmas and holiday period and please stay safe. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, Fantastic time of the year um, and holiday period. So be safe. Um, We look forward to uh, continuing into the new year with our, our little podcast here. I did think that Jared backed the West Tigers each way one stage during the course of the NRL season. And I'm not even sure that collected, but uh, there you go. Uh, good Jimmy, on you, boys. If you, if, Jimmy, if you had the Twitter uh, Twitter, and just notice on any occasion mm. I happen to mention the West Tigers, whether it's positive or whether it's negative, they just come jumping out of trees. Oh, yeah. They're very, very easy. They're very easy to find. Very easily triggered for old West Tigers fans. <laughs> it must be. Well, you run 16th and everyone says, you can't do any worse next year, and you do. Uh, that's obviously got to be painful. Listen, Jimmy, uh, if Tristan and I can get you into that CEO role, mate, we'll, we'll be your, uh, your <laughs> PR publicist and we'll be cheering the Tigers every week. Yeah, so, yeah well, they'll, they'll need a lot more than that, I believe. But anyway, maybe Jerome will help a little bit. <laughs> uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, good on you, boys. Seriously, um, Have a great Christmas. Uh, Enjoy it with your families. I know you will. Uh, And we'll do it again next week. Thanks, everyone. Merry Christmas. Be good.
Reading the Play is Australia's favourite source of NRL and horse racing tips. Our professional analysts provide the sporting enthusiasts with the best of the best. Get the best professional tips and previews from our tipsters direct to your phone. Readingtheplay.com.